Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today we are joined by Lex Scott. She is the head of the Utah Black Lives Matter chapter. And Kimon Dixon, a political activist, college student, and former U.S. military member. And today we're going to talk about uh, the U.S. flag and kind of what it means to individuals. And this was brought up because um, our guest Lex, uh, this was on the 4th of July celebration. Is that right, Lex? I believe so, or the day after. I need you to give me your outside voice. Um, I believe so, or the day after. Okay, and I want to read the quote, and uh, we'll kind of get into the discussion. So uh, she made a post, and it said, When we as black Americans see the flag, that's the U.S. flag, we know the person flying it is not safe to be around. When we see this flag, we know the person flying it is a racist. When we see this flag, we know that the person flying it lives in a different America than we do, we as African Americans. When we see this flag, we question your intelligence. We know to avoid you, it is a symbol of hatred. And that, in in Utah, certainly, that uh, created quite the controversy and quite the firestorm. So I wanted to give you a a chance to kind of explain what you meant by that and and kind of what what brought that on. Um, It has started a firestorm internationally. Um, We have received... Hatred and love from all around the entire world. Um, Today we found an Israeli newspaper that is talking about it. So um, the reason I posted it was I saw a group called Patriot Front, um, which I personally believe in my personal opinion is a white supremacist group. They were marching through Philadelphia with American flags. And it triggered me just because... For years, every time we protest, um, we are surrounded by white men with guns, carrying American flags, screaming racial slurs at us. Um, We feel like they have weaponized that flag against us. And when I saw them carrying the American flag, I think it was kind of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I just, I, I never see outrage when people are using the flag for hatred and I just was triggered. And so I put up that post. Uh, however, I do want to note, I am not the first person that have, has said this. I won't be the last person that has said this. Um, this isn't a new thing. And the fact that it sparked 
as big of outrage that it did um, is kind of interesting. It's mm-hmm. it's it's actually fascinating. Did it surprise you that there was that? I mean, you you expect hate. You get a lot of hate. Yeah. Um, but did did it surprise you that it was so wicked and quick and overwhelming? Because um, it was almost like immediate, like this wave of coming it's back. It's curious. Hate. Yeah. It's very curious. It's very. Like the reaction is a roller coaster, you know, one email, thank you, thank, I'll get an email that says, thank you, thank you so much. And then five minutes later, please die. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's the polite one that you can share with. Kimon, I'm just curious as a former military member, a veteran, like what's your reaction to a, that kind of statement and a conservative? Yeah. So for me, I think there are two things like. Yes, that's a conversation that's been in the culture. And what I mean by culture, I mean the black community. Um, I think growing up, I definitely heard those sentiments from family members about the flag and what does Independence Day really mean to them. Because you're African-American as well. Because I am an African-American and I was I have I come from a dual African-American home. So I am fully fledged 100 (laughs) percent black Um, and there's no question about it. But, you know, just because I was raised in a black home and I have extended family that are black on both sides. My viewpoint on the American flag is it's a symbol for me personally of freedom. Um, Just because a person takes the flag and decides to wave it around with their mixture of hatred doesn't mean that the symbolism of that flag uh, carries that weight with it because the flag has been altered and changed over the history of our nation. Um, And, you know, for us as Americans, I think it's it's vital for us to make sure that we separate those two things, that a hateful person doesn't represent the whole body of America, um, no matter what the issue is. Um, but to your point, I think, you know, it's valid. That is a conversation that is currently happening, has happened, and will happen in the future about racism and what does it mean to the person. So you are valid in your um, opinion, it's your opinion, and I'm not gonna, you know, it is also attack you how for she your feels opinion. about seeing the flag, right? She's exactly. saying she's. I've been out at these protests a lot of times, right there with her, seeing the way people respond and the way they use the flag, and um, and I've seen the flag be weaponized, especially the last four or five years, in a way that I don't think I'd ha- I had seen in my lifetime. In fact, to the point that I I joined a veterans group. I don't. I probably eight seven or eight years ago, and I'm raised by a Vietnam veteran, and uh, I always grew up with this great respect for the flag, but once I joined this veterans group, we it's one of the things we do is we run with the flag. We run the flag from the VA on the West Coast to the VA on the East Coast and then to D.C., and we raise awareness about the issues facing veterans because everybody talks a good game about loving veterans, and I'm here for the veterans, as you know, Kimon, and and there there's not a lot of substance behind that. So it's a way to hold politically powerful people accountable. And so, in fact, that's how I met Kimon. I was with Team RWB at the park with the flag, and he came up to me and he's like, what's up? I'm a veteran. And I was like, well, then come run with us and and carry the flag. And and it's a way to – a lot of veterans said, I've never really been thanked in this way. I've never really been seen in this way. And so for me, it's always been um, sort of imbued with this service uh, aspect of our country. But I – I actually, you know, I read your comments and I immediately felt defensive and hurt because I'm like, I don't want to make people feel unsafe. I don't want to make people feel bad 
and I don't fly a flag at my house, but I don't, I run with the flag and I feel very comfortable with that. I will say that seeing it weaponized over the last few years, you're, the, the, the two things stuck out to me. Seeing it weaponized over the last few years, um, it has made me cognizant of the fact that when I run with that flag, I feel like I want to run with a, a T-shirt that says Black Lives Matter. So that I say um, that I that this means to me something, the, our best ideals, the best of us, not I'm not a flag. I, I call them the flag waving, wrap yourself in the flag, you know, as a defense. Right. It's just it's just weaponized patriotism. Are you patriotic enough? I think if there wasn't. This idea that the flag also stands for something else to to people who are don't have the best of intentions and who do want to separate us, I think we wouldn't be taking a knee during the national anthem. People talk a lot about the song, but what are you looking at during the national anthem? You're looking at a flag. And so th- that's a valid protest. And I think that that's the thing. And the other thing that really stung me and 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 is motivating me at this point is this idea that silence is complicity. Um, you called out white people who love the flag and maybe all people who love the flag, but definitely I felt it as a white person um, that if you're not saying that's terrible that they're using the flag as a weapon to beat a police officer at the, state, at the national capital, at the U.S. Capitol, if you're not calling that stuff out, if you're not calling out the way they use weaponize the flag, then you're contributing to this idea that people do feel unsafe. So when I, I want to throw something out. You know, uh, we only have like a, a about a, a, a minute or so. No, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. When I come back, I want to – because to me, when she said that, uh, when you, Lex, uh, made those comments, I thought to myself, you know, I realize why people are angry because there are folks who feel like, okay, that is just blasphemous, right? But when you stop and think about it, you there was nothing wrong at all about what you said, and I will explain that when we come back. We are having a conversation today with uh, the head of the local BLM chapter, as Black Lives Matter, uh, Lex Scott, along with uh, Kimon Dixon, a friend of our show and former U.S. Marine. Well, I guess you're never a former Marine. Never. No. Always, <laughs> a Marine. <laughs> Always a Marine. Always a Marine. A political activist and student at the University of Utah. Uh, you're listening to Voices of Reason. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. back with a lot of my project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, joined today by Lex Scott, who is the head of the Utah chapter of Black Lives Matter, along with uh, Kimon Dixon, political activist and Marine, uh, now retired, I guess. Uh, we're talking today about uh, the U.S. flag and kind of what it means to each individual. Uh, this is brought up by um, Lex's comments on the 4th of July. at a, Was it a demonstration, Lex? Yeah. No, it was just on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And so she mentioned that... Uh, 
when she sees the flag, as has been flown so frequently in the last, I would say, couple of many years, I, I would say the last several years especially, uh, that she feels threatened by it, that the people who often uh, are flying this flag, you get a pretty good sense that they are hostile toward people of color, that they are trying to intimidate and terrorize those who are not like them. And I must say, when I, when I uh, read the comments, because I didn't, obviously, uh, you wrote it on as a post, I will tell you that the first thing I thought of was, she didn't say anything that wasn't true. Because let's, let's start with the fact that uh, racism and terrorism. When the, uh, the country was founded in uh, what, the 18th century, in 1776, it was founded on the premise that people that looked like you, me, and him were three-fifths of a person. We, did, we, we were not full human beings. That is a racist, just abhorrent idea. That is baked into the Constitution that we follow so fervently today. That, that is real. There, there's no argument about that. That is factual. You, there's no alternative to that, right? And over the years, we as African Americans, if you were brown or if you were certainly Native American, you were terrorized by that flag because when you saw that, you knew that the people uh, raising it were coming to harm you. If you were African-American, you were enslaved. If you were uh, Latino, generally speaking, early on, you weren't even really allowed in the country. If you were uh, Asian, Chinese, you were basically indentured servitude, building the the railroad that went across this country and still not allowed to be full uh, human beings. If you were Japanese, you were put in internment camps uh, during World War II based on the fact that your history had made you not uh, born here, but you still have may have been a citizen. And then I want to go to Native Americans who lived their lives here long before any colonialist arrived. They have been treated, to me, worse than all of us. They uh, a, a massive genocide they were called savages. They lived off the land in a way that was as reverent as you could have lived. You know, there's a, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, if you ever saw Crocodile Dundee, uh, they, uh, the lady asks him, what do you think about the aboriginal claims to the land? He says, uh, nobody owns this land. They belong to it. It's their mother. Similarly, with our uh, Native Americans, they revere the land. They live off in a way that always respects it. They didn't overuse it. They didn't pollute it. They tried to do whatever they can to preserve it for as long as they could in the way that it was brought to them. They have been put in a situation where they're in the worst land in America, Dust Bowl, uh, the West, uh, in the Dakotas, and in, in, in Nevada, Utah, uh, Oklahoma. These are places where most of us wouldn't live, certainly not on the reservations. They well, and, and if the land happened to be valued, then the white people then took it. Then the white it, people took it. And, was, and then they, if they had oil rights, they killed them. Uh, to, to take that. And then they yeah. took the money so, even when they had the oil rights. So my point is— They put them in that, residential schools and tried to re-educate them, didn't let them speak their language. If you were a non-white male, the flag meant something different to you. America meant something different to you. So I applaud you for having the courage to stand up and say what you said— and I applaud you for having to say it in a way that I mean, I realize people thought it was a little bit too vehement for them, but you articulated it in the simplest, most basic fashion that if 
once waited for a second, consumed that, allowed that to sink in, they would say, I understand why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. So it, <coughs> kind of in that light, have you had a chance to have a, a less vehement discussion with anybody about that and, and kind of got a different perspective? Well, um, and basically the the death threats, the racism and the hate have been coming in nonstop. I created a Google Drive um, with a compilation of racist emails, death threats, hate coming in. And I was basically forwarding them all to voicemail for like three days. And then I began to pick up the phone um, because... Why would you do that, Lex? Uh, well, I don't know why. Um, I got a few text messages that were people being polite. Now, if you listen to my voicemail, it's a three-minute voicemail, which kind of indicates, hey, if you leave a death threat, we're forwarding it to the FBI Civil Rights Division, you know... We practice our Second Amendment rights. It it scares the majority of people out of leaving a voicemail, honestly. A lot of people call. They listen to that. They don't leave a voicemail. But I decided to start picking up the phone. And I decided to start having some conversations with people who disagreed with me. Um, And I'm glad. I'm glad that I did. You know, and so I had a few really good conversations with people. But what I have found is even though I've put up probably 10 posts saying, hey, Black Lives Matter doesn't hate America. We don't hate the flag. We said you are using the flag for hate. Still, the messages of if you hate America, just go back to Africa, continue to come in. Um, People can't tell the difference between, hey, you're using this flag as a hate symbol and hating America. They don't know the difference, um, even though or I've explained it. they refuse to acknowledge the difference. They refuse to acknowledge the difference. I've also said, hey, you know, because people are like, it's not hate. It's not being used for hate. Well, you know what? Um, if I was a person who loved the American flag deeply, passionately, I believed that it wasn't racist um, and someone made the statement that I made – I would call them. I would tell them I love the black community. I care about the black community. I'm not a racist. Um, I will confront hate groups when they use it for hatred. Um, I would do that. That I haven't received one call like that, okay, where someone has reached out in love. So instead of proving me wrong, they have proven me 100% right. We said it as being used for hatred and they have said they will eradicate the black race in my voicemail. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are messages that are so putrid I cannot say them on the air right now. Um, but let's not – just because you got a voicemail yeah. does not equate them to the topic of the flag. That is a person. That is an individual using their agency to spew hate. Yeah. They are using their voice to do that. That is not – just because they're responding to your statement and they're doing it with vitriol and racism doesn't mean that they 
that you can equate that to a representation of what the American flag means. Those are two separate issues. Agree to disagree. Yeah, okay. here's the thing for me. I think this this is always the issue when you talk about racism. Yeah. Because when you said if you fly the flag, you're a racist, or however, however, you, or if you if you, yeah. and so I said, okay, I've acknowledged. I was baked in racism, right? Like I, I can't. I grew up in a white family. I don't have any. I, I we've talked at, at length on this podcast over the last five years about, you know, wh- where my blind spots were and still are. I learned on our last podcast a, a lesson right on the air. Um, so for me, I thought, okay, well, I am, but I, I don't want it. The flag is what I'm trying to aspire to be. It's trying to the ideals. T- there's not a worse person, in my opinion, than Thomas Jefferson. But he wrote the Declaration of Independence. And when you look at when – I, when I weigh out what he did in his life versus what he did, what he set out for us to live up to, Jason knows this because I've said it a million times on this podcast. I think people of color, especially indigenous people and black Americans, have made us live up to that. I don't know that white people would have lived up to those ideals as they were written out if we had not been forced to, and constantly pushed – to, to face the ways in which we were hypocrites. But in that way, they, they're still falling short. And I think this is what she's talking about, yeah. you know, specifically going back to those people calling you, as it turns out. And, you know, the quote that I, I want people to have repeated over in their heads over and over again, if you want that flag to represent everyone, it can't be flown in hatred towards anyone. I should be able to carry that flag I should be able but you to can. go and buy one. You can do that. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I should be able to do that and believe that it, it flies for me. And just as you're a veteran, my father is a veteran. Um, and some veterans are treated differently in this nation. The white veterans were able to come home and be celebrated. The black veterans who fought and died for this country were coming home to a segregated America. My father came home to a segregated America. Um, And so I want that flag to fly for everyone. And I don't want people to stop flying the flag. Um, I guess we can get to that in the next segment. I saw you go like this. Um, But I I want that flag to fly for everyone. And I don't want people to take that flag down. When we come back, I'm obviously you guys... Good to speak on that. I, uh, I love this conversation. I absolutely yes, love it. I am so happy. Uh, and I'm so, so grateful, grateful that you guys are willing to come and talk to us about it. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today speaking with Lex Scott, who is the head of the Utah chapter of the Black Lives Matter movement, and Kimon Dixon, political activist and Marine, uh, retired, uh, and also uh, a student activist at the University of Utah, conservative uh, Republican. And you actually, I, I want you to, at some point, I want you to tell us about uh, kind of the organization and how uh, your activism is going to translate uh, on the college campus. But in response to uh, what uh, Lex was talking about with how she feels about the flag, I wanted to give you a chance to respond. Yeah. So tell me if I'm wrong, but this is what I kind of am getting from this is that you don't have a problem with anyone carrying the flag or putting the flag on their yard or putting it on their household. You would just like to stop the politicization of the flag altogether. 
I don't have a problem with anyone flying the flag. I have a problem with it being weaponized against people of color. And is that weaponization based off of the presidency of Donald J. Trump? No. Okay. So that's good. Um, I wish it was just that. that a, would a, lot be easy. Of, a lot of people quit because people are saying, like, we've seen the visibility of the flag and being politicized and weaponized over the last four or five years. And that would be under the Trump presidency. We've only mm-hmm. been in the Biden administration for seven months. Um, so, you know, the flag, the flag should be flown from whomever wants to fly it, whether you're an American or not. Mm-hmm. Serving overseas, um, you get to live in these other countries and meet other people and they get to talk to you about what makes them aspire to want to live in America. While we have Americans that live here that don't appreciate the blessing of being in America. Yes, your point is valid um, in the fact that it shouldn't be used as a political weapon or a weaponry of hatred. However, that is in the eyes of the beholder because I know some of these patriots, um, as they're referred to as, and that word patriot, um, that, I think, has yeah. been politicized a also, lot. Weaponized um, also. Anyone is a patriot if you love the country in which you come from. Yes. And wanting to have conversations about how to change the framework of how we view America, um, how communities are policed, how health care is accessible, um, talking about the military and our ability to be in these regime change type wars, all those things are you should be allowed, you should be celebrated, and you should be pushed to talk about those conversations because we talk mm-hmm. about, well, not us, the mainstream media talks about these conversations, but no one is willing to have the conversation yeah. because once they start talking about it, then they're all offended. hurt and offended. And yes. Why did you say that? It's like, wait, but you wanted to have the conversation. This is in the realm. People are going to get their feelings hurt. And if you can't be in that realm, then politics then public activism is not for you. Keep your mouth shut and stay at home. But I don't think we progress if we don't have these conversations. So I, that's one. I felt like Lex kind of lit it. She, there was all this dry kindling out there, right? People are thinking this, like you say, this has been a conversation in the black community. Sure, it was not a conversation in my home. <laughs> you were not allowed to say anything bad about the flag in my home. So she lit this match. So I immediately struck up conversations with my family, and especially my daughter, um, who has a very different feeling about the flag than I do. She's run with me and she's carried the flag, but it's not, it doesn't mean to her what we, I run with veterans to draw attention to the fact that we have been at war for 20 years and, and, and we have, you know, it seems like now it's finally coming to an end, finally coming to an end. But I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, as you know, non-war wars that uh, people are, are traumatized by their lives are changed. They change, my nephew's in the military. I see these young men graduating and they're, so full of hope and oppor- you know, and potential, and I think, how are we going to break them? How's the military going to destroy them? <laughs> wow. um, but I, it, so for me, it just made me say, okay, what am I willing to do? And the thing that I thought was, I'm not letting the racists take this flag. It means too much to me. In my life, this is a this is a symbol of service. It's a symbol of what we're best at, and and I feel like. What you did was make me say, am I doing what I can to protect it? Am I doing what I can to represent it? Am I doing what I can so that when there's white people using it, misusing it, how and people, especially there are people that I know, I can say, that's my flag. Or why don't I bring my flag to whatever event I'm going to? Because I've seen people bring flags to Black Lives Matter 
um, protest yeah. and say, this is our flag, too. We're yeah. going to carry it. We're going to – there's no more patriotic people than the people of the Navajo Nation. What? Um, uh, just a quick story. So um, Trevor Mortimer was a member of our chapter. He has since died by suicide. Um, but at his very last protest of Simgill's office – and I do have to note, for the record, Black Lives Matter has protested peacefully for eight years, never inside of violence, never destroyed property. Um, and so we always would, like, clean up our litter at Sim Gill's office. Sim, if you're listening, do you miss me? <laughs> um, anyway, we were at our protest, and, and, and we always showed up early, and it was Trevor and I, and we were, we were sitting there. And we we're like, where is everyone? Like, where are all of our protesters? And then we saw a very big crowd of people across the street, and we're like, there they are. And then we saw that they had American flags. And we realized instantly they weren't there with us. And then we realized we were outnumbered by far. And it was just that symbol of, you know, they had an American flag. Now, they were the Proud Boys. They they did show up. We were um, terrifyingly outnumbered that day but we we had a small but mighty protest and and so I did want to share that and that we have sparked a, a conversation and I think that a lot of people get fragile mm-hmm. they get defensive immediately well she shouldn't have said everyone that carries the flag is a racist okay but by doing that what you said to me was this is meant for you because yeah. otherwise no. if you're oh, yeah, like, that com- no, that, no. her message right. yeah. was not it, yeah you don't get to co-opt her message. No, you don't no, get no, to co-opt but, what. Uh, but right. I, I get to hear it. I get to say yeah. she's speaking to me. I understand that, but yeah. I still feel like the one thing I – again, I'm, yeah. I'm about to be really racist now. White people <laughs> want to make it about them. Sure. And you don't get to tell me, A, how I feel about something. If she says how she – she was telling you how she feels about it. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how you accept that message is on you. Yeah. And you have every right to feel the way you feel. I, I'm not trying to uh, deny that. However, her point was – that to her, these people, the proud boy types, and those who try to intimidate by showing up in large numbers, usually armed, and those people who drive around in those giant trucks who are trying to, again, intimidate with the size of these vehicles and these giant flags. They're not like, you know, the flags that people fly when they have, like, the U football game. These are these big-ass things uh, on, on the back of their trucks or on the side of their trucks. They are purposely doing that. They are purposely trying to incite fear and intimidation. That's what she's talking about. So if you get outside of that, then you are missing the point. And that is not to say that you are a bad person. It is to say that you have to hear what she is saying, Mm -hmm. not dwell in how you feel. No, and I think that I feel like that's what I did. I worked Mm -hmm. through my defensiveness and I – my. When you say I get to decide how I receive it, my decision on receiving it is I'm not letting the racists take it. I'm going to speak to them. I'm okay. going to I'm going to do something about it. They don't get to take it from what it means to me right. away from me. So I didn't mean to say like that was her message. No, my acceptance of it is thank you for saying this because I feel like I wouldn't have listened if it had been uh, meant. You know, if you would have thought, well, how can the white people? Hear me. How can people understand me? Like if you had I feel like too many times my pe- my friends who want change are trying to moderate their message so that I'll accept it. 
And what I am here to say is, I think you need to hit us in the face. I think you need to punch me in the nose sometimes because I'm not hearing it. And I'm not saying they have to be rude to people. Uh, you've never been rude to me. You and I have talked and, and I've interviewed you. We've had, you've been on our podcast before. I feel like I have a different life experience and I have a different opinion on this subject. Um, but I feel like my acceptance of it is um, I, I hear you, I believe you, and I understand and that that is your experience and I respect it. And I am grateful that you shared it because it's going to make me not be complicit by being silent. When we come back, I want to ask uh, everybody, especially Lexa and Takiman, what we can do to move forward so that we can have, you know, if when, when it's possible, we can have discussions that help us understand each other <coughs> and help us get to a point where rather than, you know, being angry about what we heard, we try to uh, get a sense of why it was said and what we could do to make things better. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, Voices of Reason, and uh, speaking today with Lex Scott with uh, Black Lives Matter Utah and Kimon Dixon, political activist and former military member. And you've been biting your tongue, and I'm uh, uh, I'm speaking to Kimon. And so we want to lead it in our last segment and give you a chance to kind of uh, you know express some of your thoughts. Yeah. So when you read the statement that she po- that Lex posted, um, it's all coming from everyone's individual life experience. Their life experience is going to determine how they react and how they're going to feel about that comment. Um, When I read it, you know, I'm like, okay, this is her opinion. I may disagree with it, and I think that the flag is beautiful, and I think it it means freedom and bravery and honesty and integrity. Um, It has different meaning to me based off my life experience and based off my experiences with other people from different demographics, um, different socioeconomic statuses. Um, I, I'm a person who moved to Utah where the population of African-Americans total around 44,000. I grew up in— Out of almost 4 million people. Out of, yes, almost 4 million. And only 44,000 of us live here in the state of Utah. Um, I grew up in Marietta, Georgia, um, and that's right outside of Atlanta, so I really just claim Atlanta as my home. Um, we have an African-American mayor. We have a majority African-American city council. Um, 70% of the businesses, small businesses owned in the Atlanta metro area are owned by African-Americans. And in every single one of those places of business, I see an American flag. Because America, America now, not America yesterday, America now um, is a place where African-Americans do have the opportunity to pursue the American dream. Go ahead. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and we still are discriminated against. We are still paid less. We are still denied housing because of the color of our skin. We are still profiled and pulled over at six to ten times the rate of white people because of the color of our skin. Yes, we have a lot of opportunity here. Right. Yes. Um, But our America, like in the post, I said, some of us live in a different America. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all want to live in a place where we all have complete equal opportunity. Now, you 
were in the military, did you experience racism in yes, the military? Yes, I did. I did experience racism in the military. Um, I had never met a African-American leader, somewhat of a higher rank than me. I was a Lance Corporal, so an E3. Um, you know, I never saw anyone of a leadership role until I got to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and my company commander was an African-American. Um, and he went to the academy, and he had a very different experience than I did. Um, and I got to talk to him about real real issues that I felt that I was having in the military where in some points he agreed and some he disagreed. Um, for me, my experience in the military was what it was. I don't tell people not to serve and I don't tell people to serve. I think it's all an individual-based decision about whether or not you're willing to sacrifice your life for the integrity um, of the nation. Um, so the Constitution and the American flag has different meaning to me because I believe um, that there's no other place I would rather live than here um, because I have my voice. And my mother taught me to never um, lessen my voice to fit into someone else's box or to fit into someone else's room. Um, so as a conservative, I definitely feel that, um, yes, racism has a place and it does – placate in our society however um i'm i i have run my own life and i can decide whether or not i allow that racist to have an effect on my daily life and i don't allow them to um yes there are things in our housing that are discriminatory practices healthcare, accessibility to it um also affordability of our housing and our law enforcement does have issues However, I do not paint um, all of law enforcement as bad and racist or even the practices of policing because some of those practices I had to learn and I used in my capacity as a United States Marine. I just wanted to say if, if people love the flag and love what the flag stands for, I, I ascribe to what Trevor Noah said um, a few years ago, and I've said it before, uh, America is the only country that's also an ideal and I think that I'm an idealist. I think Kimon is an idealist. Um, and I think Lex is an idealist. I think uh, that um, we want to, us to live up to the things we say we're about. And I think when you're threatening people who disagree with you with death or harm or even just hatred, uh, you don't respect what the flag stands for because it also stands for the Constitution. And we have the freedom of speech. And we should – we should it, we should all be really comfortable with hearing things negative about our our leaders, our churches, our businesses, our neighbors, whatever. We should. I want someone to tell me that the dress I put on is not flattering, and I should change it before we leave. <laughs> I want that in my life, but it's does it sometimes hurt my feelings? Sure, I want you know. But I think if you could take a breath and say, um, like Jason said, white people, it's not about you. Like this is someone else talking about their pain and their situation and their experience. And I've been at those protests and I see the way the flag is used. And I 100 percent understand what you were saying. My only action now is to say, what can I do? Because I don't I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of making people feel more comfortable and more included. And I definitely think that's a conversation. I hope we have 
a thousand more of these this month. Like I think, <laughs> I think I know you don't, <laughs> but I feel like we. This is when we can exchange our fear, you know, our worst fears, our greatest hopes. Then we're then we're doing what America, what other people in other countries are envious of us. Yeah. Can I say one thing real quick? So, um, I, the flag, yeah. it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm American. I don't fly a flag. I'm just. Not because I don't like it. I just don't. I just isn't my thing. But I also don't say I love you to everybody every time I see them either. But right. it doesn't mean I don't. It just means I just, it's not my way. The flag is a lot of things. But I, one of the first things I would think of is the flag is a symbol of dissent. The reason we even have it is because taxation without representation, mm-hmm. we coming over here. Don't be coming over here trying to tell us how to you know, live our lives, right? Correct. That is one of the founding principles. So when someone dissents, or, or you know, dissents, I guess, uh, like Lex did, that's what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to stand up for herself, stand up for her beliefs, and say, this is why that I, I don't agree with this. This isn't to say I hate the flag. This is just to say I hate the way it's being used. Oh, I don't agree with the way it's being used. You can love your family and not love everybody in your family. You can love your country and not love everything about your country. It doesn't mean that you aren't patriotic. It means that you are willing to acknowledge the uh, shortcomings and the flaws that prevent your country or your family, whatever, from living up to its highest ideal, as Amy just described, to living up to the vision. You know, Thomas Jefferson, being the bastard that he was, slave-owning, you know, racist guy that he was, he was a visionary. Make no mistake about it. You can. Ha- you, he was you, also a rapist, but he, he was, was all, a visionary. He was all of those things. <laughs> But he also had some uh, some brilliant ideas that we can benefit from. And I am willing to accept that and try to make my country the best country I can get. We only have about one minute left. And since you started this conversation, I'm going to let you have the last word, Lex. Okay, Um, And I do want to address, you know, the NAACP denounced the statement that I made. And um, I told my members immediately, continue to support Janetta Williams, continue to support the NAACP. They have a right to their opinion, just as I have a right to mine. Um, And I'm not going to allow people to pit Black Lives Matter against the NAACP. Um, And I I encourage people to continue, uh, you know, disagreeing with me. That's fine. Uh, reaching out. We want to hold a panel where we have hopefully you on the panel and people who support the American flag, people who are upset about how it's being used. And I just appreciate people listening. I want people to understand that when I said, hey, we see you as a racist, I want everyone to understand every person in this nation is capable of racial insensitivity. Whether your best friend is black, whether you adopted a black child, whether your cousin is black, um, your proximity to blackness does not define whether you are capable of racism or not. Knowing you could be a a black person or a person of color color and still be be racist. racist. Exactly. So I just want to say that. Thank you for letting me have a voice here. And hopefully, you know, I, I, I wouldn't take it back. I do not take it back. Um, at all, and I'm glad that I have started an international dialogue 
on this. Well, and thanks to you for being here. And thanks to you, Kimon, as well. Join us for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast in, on Google Play or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or any of those places where you might find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. It helps us grow our audience, and we love to get your feedback. So until next time, along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil and try, try, try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately... We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.